0: Turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be reading the end of the chapter, starting in verse 37. Uh, Starting in verse 35, actually. 35 through 51. Again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see." So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas which is translated Peter. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. So the question before us this morning is the same question that Jesus put to his disciples before they were his disciples. At the beginning of our text, Jesus, verse 38, turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? What do we seek? Do you think the disciples had any idea what they were seeking? They knew what John had said. They knew what John the Baptist had told them. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they knew they wanted that. They wanted him. They wanted Jesus. Ultimately, That's what we must seek as well. We must seek Jesus and everything that he is. Despite the fact that the disciples didn't know really what they were seeking while they were seeking Jesus, despite the fact that we don't really know an awful lot of the time what we are seeking, because we forget who Jesus is, let's look at who they were seeking, what they were seeking. Right away, at the very beginning, when Jesus says, what do you seek, they say, where are you staying? And then we begin to see Jesus revealing himself to them over the course of the next couple of days. And right at the very beginning, in those first couple of days, they begin to learn some amazing things about this man they were seeking. Jesus Christ. But what are we seeking? What do you seek? There's a lot of things that we can seek instead of Jesus. There's a lot of things that we can seek while we're claiming that we're seeking Jesus. We haven't made it to the story of Judas Iscariot yet, but Judas claimed to be seeking Jesus. Judas claimed to be following Jesus Christ. And yet, what was Judas seeking? Judas was seeking, among other things, money. Is that what you're seeking? Is that what you love? Maybe it's power that you're seeking. The ability to tell others what to do and have them do it. Maybe you're seeking to have other people think well of you. Maybe you're seeking security. You just want to know that everything's going to be okay in your life. Maybe you're seeking sexual gratification. Maybe you just want comfort. Or as I prayed for years on end for... Fun time. Is that what you're seeking? Just a fun time. I just want to have fun. Jesus asks the disciples, What are you seeking? Their response is kind of funny. They respond to that question with, where are you staying? Well, what are they getting at there? What are they trying to do? Well, they're, they're trying to explain that they want him. Really, that, that's, what they're, that's what they're saying. Well, we, we don't know exactly what we want, but we want to keep track of you. We want to know where you're going to be, because we we want to be able to follow you. At the same time, it seems like they're, they're, they don't want to bother him, right? Nothing, nothing, just where are you going to be? We, so we can come at some other time and... They're seeking is they're seeking the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's why they left. That's why they began to follow Jesus. It's after, it's the second time that John the Baptist had turned and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And so they hear that and they think, Okay, let's go. Right? The first time, it's like it fell dead on the ground on their hearts. They're thinking, oh, okay, weird. The second time, they're like, you know what? We believe everything that John says. We've been following him. We're his disciples. What exactly is he saying? Lamb of God. Takes away the sins of the world. Let's go find out more about this guy. And so Jesus, their first interaction with him is him turning around while they're following him, going, What do you want? What are you seeking? What do you want by Following me. So let's see what this Jesus was like immediately after they begin to follow him. Let's see if this is what we want, if this is who we want to follow, if this is who we are seeking. Who was Jesus? Well, first of all, he was very gracious. He noticed that they were following him. He turned and he said, "What are you seeking?" And then when they responded with their sort of silly, "Where are you staying?" He says, "Come and see." Why? Well, in part because he knows what they want. He knows what they want is him. And so when he says, "Come and see," that's an invitation for him fr- from him. For them to join him, right? But it's not just an invitation, is it? It's not just a gracious, okay, you can come with me. No, it's a command come with me, and you will see. And so what we see is that as these men begin to interact with Jesus, they understand that he is giving them commands. They begin to see that he has a mission. And that as he begins that mission, what he's doing is he's calling disciples to himself. He's beginning to gather people into his kingdom. He's beginning to gather followers And so when he says, Come and you will see, what he's saying is, Obey me. So the first thing that they learn is that this Jesus that they're following is gracious, but the next thing that they learn is that he commands them in what they're to do. So here we are. We're new church, church plant, just getting started. And one of the big questions that debate rages on still today, after decades, is a question of being seeker-sensitive as a church, right? Now, Jesus here has two men who are seeking him, right? What do you seek? Well, where are you staying? So, in one sense, this is the most you know, appropriate place to turn to the question of what it means to be seeker-sensitive. Here are two men who don't really know exactly what they want. They know they want something. Jesus is ultimately what they want. They're beginning to have that inkling as they hear from John. And so they say, where are you staying? Well, John had been filling their heads with knowledge, with with the need to repent, with all sorts of things that were true. And today, throughout our country, you can hear things that are true, whether you on the radio or on TV or in the newspaper. There are all kinds of things that are true that are ways that you may stumble upon the necessity of repentance, of believing in Jesus Christ, of the claim that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, still the majority of people in our nation today have heard of Jesus and do believe that he has something to do with forgiveness. Okay, So in this context, an awful lot of people who are what we might call seekers today are in a very similar situation to these disciples who had been following John. All right? They probably aren't as committed as the Apostle, as these disciples of John were. But on the same token, they've heard many of them, a lot more about this Jesus character than the disciples of John had at this point. So when we think about being sensitive and gracious, like Jesus was when he says, come, join me, you'll see, come and see, right? It's a very gracious response. He doesn't say, well, get in line, sign up to come next week. Well, I'll, you know, I'll see if I can find some time for you. Answer your questions. Or what business is it of yours where I'm staying? If you want to know where I'm staying, then you know. No, he responds very graciously. But he also responds immediately by giving them commands. So this is exactly what we've got to ask ourselves first and then think about with regards to other people, do we want to follow a man who is immediately giving us commands? Do we want to follow Jesus Christ or do we want something else? Good. That's what we must want. We must want Jesus Christ. An awful lot of people want to be seekers without ever finding. And the reason that they don't want to find is because they don't ultimately want to have to submit to that first command. Come. And you will see. That requires an awful lot of humility on our parts. Admitting that without him saying, come, we're left wandering around in the darkness, trailing behind, wondering what's going on. And that without obeying that command to come, Were left empty. So Jesus was gracious with these disciples. He was authoritative and commanding with them. Not only did he tell men to follow him, not just these, these first men, you could say, well, that wasn't a command. Come and you will see. That was just like, that was just an invitation. That was just a gracious response. But the next day, what do we see him doing? Changing somebody's name. What right do you have to change my name? What do you mean I'll be called Peter? I already have a name, thank you very much. My dad gave me a just fine name. My name is Simon. No, you will be called Peter. Or what did he say to Philip? Follow me. This isn't somebody who was seeking him. This is somebody he went out and sought and said, follow me. Philip, who knows what Philip was doing. He's like, okay. What else do we see about this Jesus, who we must seek. Well, we see that he was sinless. How do we see that in this passage? Well, we don't see him sin in this passage, right? Obviously. But more than that, we do see this question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And isn't it interesting that the response is the same, come and you will see? This brand new disciple, to a completely different question, gives the same response that Jesus had given to him, come and you will see. What is that? That's a a command and an invitation, a gracious one, come and see. Come and see. Now I want you guys to remember this. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've got people who are seekers or not seekers, people who are skeptical or people who, who are right on the road to faith, people who think that churches, that organized religion is wicked or people who think and, and that they just need to be followers of Jesus or people who have never heard of Jesus before, you can say this to them. Come and see. You can say that to anybody. Come and see. And that's an important thing to be able to say because what it it communicates is a confidence that there is something to see. And what is there to see? Well, the invitation that, uh, that Jesus is giving is come and see, not just the place where I'm staying, but come and see me. And that's the exact same thing that his brand new disciple says to his about to be disciple. Come and see. And what is that invitation? That's a come and see what? Jesus. Come and see. And that's what we have as the church of Jesus Christ. We have Jesus and we portray Jesus to the world. We are the light of the world. And so when we invite people, come and see, what we're telling them is, come and see Jesus. Now, is that shocking? Look around. Is it shocking to say, come and see Jesus? Does it sound proud? An awful lot of people will take offense at that. Come and see Jesus. Like you've got a corner on the market of Jesus, you know. Or, how dare you tell me what to do? I'm just fine without him. And yet, this is central to the mission that we saw Jesus beginning right away. Come. And see, people are gathering to him. They're hearing this command, come. And some of them are obeying. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Is there any such thing as a church that doesn't fight over money? Come and see. Is there any such thing as organized religion that isn't just about propping up authority structures and privileges? Of Come and see. Is there really such a thing as forgiveness for me? Come and see. I know I'm going to hell. Well, why is that? Well, the things I've done. So you're saying you're not good enough, right? How could I be good enough for my creator? Come and see. Come and see. Don't fool me again. Is there any such thing as a good man? Come and see. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nope. Is there any such thing as a good man? Nope. But what? Come and see. Jesus was sinless. What else was Jesus doing with these disciples right away? Well, he was demonstrating miracles, showing that he was God. How? Well, you see his omniscience here. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael has the right response. Oh, I get it. You, you're God. You're the king of Israel. Do people see this Jesus among us? God, performing miracles, answering prayers. Is this who we want to follow? Is this what we are seeking? When you think about following somebody, having them tell you what to do, and then you think about them being perfect and sinless. There's something a bit grating about that, isn't there? When somebody's somebody's too good, you don't know that there's anything wrong with them, and they tell you what to do, our first reaction is to get away from me. I hate you. And yet that's Jesus. You guys have seen that, haven't you? You've seen that in yourself, somebody who's good telling you what to do. and It's like, you know, this would be a lot easier to take if I just knew you were bad, like me. Then I could do what you said but look down on you. But we can't do what Jesus says and look down on him, can we? We've got to do what Jesus says while looking full in his face and recognizing that he is perfectly sinless and that he's telling us what to do. And then what a comfort it is that he's gracious, isn't it? Don't you want to seek Jesus? And remember, all of this comes about because John had said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And isn't that a greater promise? Isn't that what we want more than anything else in this world? Isn't that better, having our sins taken away? Isn't that more worth seeking than all the power we could get through manipulation, through money, through politics, then all of the comforts that money could buy, and then all of the fun you could ever have. In the end, what do you want? You want to be left with your sins washed away. That only comes through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain on our behalf. That's who we must seek. Now let's get to know him. The disciples begin to spend time with him. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to just give you a picture. Who, what did they see that first day they spent time with Jesus? imagine how shocking it would be to spend time for the first time with somebody and realize that he never sins. And you know the temptation would be there to just get angry about that. And then you know that your anger was itself sin. And then you just think this is terrible. Every time I turn around, he's being perfect and I'm being sinful. This isn't fun. I don't want to be here. I don't want to constantly be reminded of my sin. And so you're left with a choice. Either you can walk away and keep your sin, or he can take it from you. This is who the disciples saw. This is who they were seeking. And this is just at the beginning. As life continues for them, they begin to see more and more and more. And Jesus says, you believe now because you saw this. Oh, you'll see greater things than this. And so right at the beginning, he promises an amazing future for those who seek him. What is that future? He said, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's promising heaven, ultimately. Not just what we will see, but what we will have heaven. A future. An amazing future. If we follow Him. But in order to get those things, they had to seek Jesus. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon And so we must seek the Lord while he may be found. The first thing that that requires of us is that we recognize that we are wicked and that it's our wickedness that gets in the way of seeking him. That it's our sin that needs to be taken away by the Lamb of God and that prevents us from going to him. And so we have to forsake our sin in order to turn to him. And then he washes it away. Seek the Lord while he may be found. And this also is something that's wonderful to say to others. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near, before it's too late. Is this what we want as a church? Do we want a, a Lord who is drawing others in? who is commanding, authoritative, gracious, sinless, and knows everything, and who promises heaven for his people. That's what we want. That's what we seek. And if that's not what you're seeking, come and see. Come and see what he's like. Until you do, sin will continue to enslave you. But when we come to him, he sets us free.